0: Welcome to the Pack Mentality Podcast. I'm Matt Bannwart. I own Red Wolf CrossFit in Huntington Beach, California, and I've been coaching for 16 years. I created this podcast with one goal in mind, and that was to make fitness accessible, engaging, and effective for everyone. Today, you have the opportunity to see what kind of goes on behind the scenes of owning and operating a gym. And today we have Dan Waymura on as a guest today. And Dan graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in Business and Economics from UCLA. And while he was there, he specialized in computer programming and started his first business, a web application development and consulting firm. Very impressive. And fast forward to today, he is the CEO of PushPress, which is a complete gym management platform, which allows people like me to automate, streamline, and grow my fitness business with a hassle-free software that was built by gym owners for gym owners. So let's dig right in. Uh, so Dan, you obviously have an in-depth knowledge of both the tech and fitness industry. Um, how do you see technology influencing the future of not just CrossFit training, but the fitness and coaching space in general?
1: Yeah. I mean, technology in general, the the, the job of technology is to make make people more efficient, uh, connect people with data, let them understand what's happening, and automate and or systemize processes that create efficiencies. <clears throat> um, Before big tech, like a lot of businesses, the technology was business process, but Mm -hmm. now software is actually turning processes into workflows and allowing um, people to become more efficient, running their businesses, or at least even scaling, like getting coaches to do the work too. Right. Um, Question was, where's this going? Uh, Like what, what, just what do you (coughs) see, like the future of technology? How is
0: that gonna influence like the boutique fitness industry?
1: Right. I think in, okay, so, If you look across the landscape of business in general, I think technology has impacted business from the top down, meaning Mm -hmm. the biggest businesses with the most revenues and money and market capitalization got access to tech early. Mm -hmm. Um, I think fitness is on the cusp of it, specifically like boutique fitness or uh, fitness studios. Um, You know, it it filtered down from private, like government had tech first. And then like, you know, imagine like auto manufacturers and airlines and stuff. They got access to pretty cool tech second. And then like recently like restaurants got some really good tech, uh, that, that the operators were able to understand how to use. I think to date tech has failed fitness mostly really like, yeah, like we've all built stuff that lets you kind of operate better build process. Like we've done the table stakes stuff, Hmm. but the change is coming. Like the big stuff's coming that I think it, and, and, and honestly with AI coming and all this, there's a whole nother revolution wave that's coming right now. But I actually think like uh, businesses like mine are now we have enough uh, funding and capital. We have enough uh, really, really smart people working for us uh, with big visions and understanding of how to deploy this, that I think there's going to be a huge wave coming for fitness really soon. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. So when you say wave, like what, what does that mean? So think of it this way, like um, before the iPhone, the world was different right, for everybody. Before this tech shift uh, comes, like the way we know operating a gym right now is very linear in terms of operations. And you're probably aware of this. It's yeah. like a person comes in, wants to join the gym, you go to the website or you go to your, you know, the app control panel and you give me your name, give me your email, blah, blah, blah. And there's a form you fill out and you push the button and it, it submits. <clears throat> The paradigm of operations I think is gonna change some in, in, the, in the near future. And by near future, I, I mean like maybe two to three years, not okay. like next month. But um, AI is making a lot of things, it's gonna change the interface of tech, let's say. okay. So instead of it being, think of tech right now as push. You log into the website, you go to a form, you fill it out. It could um, be way smarter, right? And I'm just imagining off the top of my head This is completely off the top of my head. I haven't thought this through yet. So there might be holes in this. If you're in the audience, like Mm -hmm. you might be able to easily poke holes in this, but let's pretend I'm on your website. I indicate I want to be a member. There could be a system that intercepts that knows my email phone number, like kicks off automated communication to you, to your staff, does some background research on me, figures out key pieces of information that are out there on the web, compiles a dossier for you, books the appointment, gets them into the gym, you know, they, sh- they show up and instead of like you having to worry about any data entry or mm-hmm. any management of any of this stuff, it's like you're, you're, you're working with them, like coaching, you know, doing, what you do best, explain the value props, you're coaching them, you're putting them through a class, you're doing whatever you're doing. Then it's like, um, they might get a text at the end from the system. Like, Hey, we just noticed you finished your class. Like you want to, you know, like, it, like the whole process can be a pull process or a blended process pretty soon. Mm. Right. Data input can be in chat format. Now, like imagine you this this is all imaginary stuff but not that far away. Like you open up your control panel and you're like, "Oh, hey, push press uh I need to add Dan as a new member." Okay, what's his email? Oh, his email is this. Okay, cool. Do you want to put him on a membership plan? Yeah, put him on a membership plan. Put him on the unlimited plan. Okay, done. Right? Like instead of like clicking a navigation, clicking a button, going mm-hmm. to a menu, going to a form, you know, all that is flip phone. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like we're moving into smartphone. Interesting. Era. Yeah. That's crazy. The, the, world, the world will change. Data. So the other big thing is data. Like we are now getting to the point where the data is going to start coming. Like we are investing heavily in the data stuff. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> not only on the, on, the, on the simplest level, the data unlocks understanding. And the hardest part, like if I just gave you a whole bunch of data, you'd be like, what do I do with this? Right. right? But we are going to get to a point where like the data can, can start to inform and layered on top of the AI. It can be like, hey, Matt, did you know like, 43% of your members go through this flow, but we've identified this flow is suboptimal for your gym. You should probably put them through that flow. Wow. Right? Like The data can start to tell you the story as opposed to you getting a report and you're like, yeah. what the hell does this graph even mean? Exactly. Right? Do you play NFL, uh, what do you call it? Fantasy football? No, no, I don't. I only I not played one season in the last decade uh, <clears throat> because I just don't have time for, I didn't have time for sports, but... I played one season because the push press team did. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'll bet, I'll bet this is side note. I was like, I'll bet you all win. I, my team name was dartboard. Cause I just like, <laughs> in fact, I just let it auto draft. I didn't even draft. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know any players and I won. I actually won. So I was like, <laughs> see this, awesome. this whole thing is stupid. Like if yeah. I can win this is stupid, but anyway, what was cool is every week, like this is, this tech's already here. And this is what I'm saying. The NFL has mega money. And they're They're doing this right. Like every week I got an email and it was like. Oh, this running back outperformed his normal performance by 23% because the deep run defense of the Vikings was, you know, banged up. And it gave me this really easy to understand English summary of what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm, and you know, I'm a tech product guy and I'm like, this is machine shit right here. Like, right. There's some machine crunching all this stuff. And it just told me in plain English in a way that I, like when, when I look at the NFL stuff, it's probably similar to like when a person who doesn't know data analytics looks at a report, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is good or bad or yeah. whatever, but it just told me such plain English. That I was like, Oh, cool. I'm going to start that guy again next week. Cause that sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? Like it, it allowed me to make decisions. <laughs> that's awesome. That's where data is going to get interesting. <clears throat> when I say top down, big industries have had this right. Mm-hmm. Airlines, like all that pricing shit that they do, or oh, it's yeah. just like the seats change and all this stuff. Like that's all data driven, human, like heuristics and human behavior, psychology driven, they crunch all the numbers and doing stuff like that's becoming accessible to the point where like, it's affordable for us to build. We're able to get engineer. We have the money to get the engineers are good enough to build it. Right. So all this stuff is now going to be unlocked in the fitness world soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. So what, what kind of a timeline, if you could attach
0: to that, how long do you think that that would take before that's like actually like operational?
1: It's going to take time. Um, I mean, to be honest, like building software is super hard and like, we're still working on stuff that I consider to be table stakes, like making the calendar nice, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, nothing fancy about that. No data. It's just like, make it so someone can enter a calendar or get appointments or whatever. Like we're Mm -hmm. still working on step zero stuff. But, um, like I literally have a 20 year roadmap that I've been working on, which is like, where this all can go over the next 20 years. Cause it's going to take time. Right. Um, but the beauty of it is just, I'm committed. This is the only business I'm ever going to run. <clears throat> and uh, I've got investors behind me who want to see it go all the way. So that's awesome. We're going to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. So would you say that
0: the biggest constraint from the top down was just, it was it just funding then or was it, was was there a tech
1: constraint as well? There was a, a so when we launched, when we started working on push press, um, Think of it this way: There's uh, AI and ML have been around for a decade. Mm-hmm. Nobody could afford it except the government and very few people. Right. OpenAI came around, figured out how to you know create the the business model, got, built some tech, got the you know built a platform that now is super affordable and getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. Right. So before, when we started PushPress, like Stripe had just started. Before the cost of doing payments processing was like you'd have to find a merchant, like they didn't have right. APIs. Like it was just crazy hard. Yeah. Stripe pops up. It's like, boom, now you can do payments in like a day, <laughs> right? That's, that's true. Open AI is like unlocked AI in a day. So, <clears throat> um, a lot of this stuff is going to come faster and faster and it's going to be cheaper and cheaper. So to your question, when we started the company, things were prohibitively expensive,
0: Yeah,
1: like you couldn't run ML models or do the data stuff cheap. And the unique problem of, in our space is. We support very small businesses. You guys can't spend a thousand dollars a month for the software, <clears throat> therefore we can't have the type of revenue that supports hiring a whole big team of really smart people without getting funding from an investor, but an investor won't invest in a company where there's a bunch of small businesses that don't want to spend a lot of money on the software. You know, it's, yeah. it's like a chicken and egg yeah, problem. Totally. So it's really hard to actually build an effective business in this space, right? um, it's very, very difficult to get past that hump where like you can actually get capital. And until you get the capital, you're always like, uh, you've got a hundred things to build and you've got no one to do it. And you've got customers who want you to do it, who believe that you can do it, but it's just too, it's too much stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and the analogy I give people is like, we have, we have a lot of features in PushPress that people have built a billion dollar business doing mm-hmm. like Calendly built scheduling, DocuSign has waivers. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there are things that we have to build for PushPress that we basically give to you for free that somebody has built a billion dollar business around oh, yeah. just doing that one thing. But we have to do like 50 of them. Yeah. So it's it's a tough business. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a great
0: point. Cause I remember before PushPress when DocuSign, that, that that's all they had. And those like I remember getting digital documents for like CrossFit affiliation and I do DocuSign. And then when PushPress, uh, I remember when uh, I subscribed to PushPress back in January 2019. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I have all this stuff that I have access to. How convenient! Like, this is really cool that I can handle so much stuff on one platform." Yeah. Um, let's kind of dig into more, like specifically PushPress. So, how does PushPress handle the unique challenges of running like a boutique gym <clears throat> or a CrossFit gym?
1: Ooh, let's unpack that a little bit. So, it's tough because we are not CrossFit specific, mm-hmm. even though like I owned a gym. It's actually funny. I didn't know you worked out at Code 3. You were probably there when I was like hanging out with them. I probably was, yeah. yeah. At the uh, Behind the Seas Candy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that okay. way back in the days. Anyway, um, it's tough because every fitness vertical requires something different, right? But like I alluded to before, no fitness vertical is so big that you can get an investor to say like, yeah, go break off the MMA, you know, world and mm-hmm. own all of the MMA gyms and do the software. Yeah. Because for the investors, it's just ultimately not that interesting. Yeah. You know, in our world, it's like, that's huge. Like if you got all the CrossFits on you, that's big, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what done great, they've, they've crushed in, in, in CrossFit, but in the investor world, they're like, mm, that's kind of small, yeah. you know, like, that's cute. We, we, we're, we want Ubers, we want Airbnbs, we yeah. right? like, want stuff like that. So <clears throat> what's tough about building the software is you have to build functionality that serves multiple targeted niches mm-hmm. without making it confusing because small business owners don't have teams of people to train them how to use software. Yeah, And they don't have time, like you're busy doing everything else, right? So there's this fine line walk that you have to walk between simple software that can service all fitness types, all different like educational levels of owner, you know, everything from We have gyms that are like two members in a garage and then we have a gym that's doing $220,000 a month. Right. And it's like the software has to support all of that. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine, uh,
0: what, uh, do you have like an idea of what kind of percentage like spread there is between like CrossFit gyms, other boutique gyms, MMA gyms, or are there any other
1: kind of niches that you're kind of going after as well? So, I mean, to, to be blunt and, and speak, we're only going out, we're only focused on CrossFit right now. Okay. We do service like everything. Pretty sure we're the worldwide leader in historical fencing club software. Like we, <laughs> I think we have all of them, pretty sure. Um, but we all, o- we only focus on CrossFit right now because you just can't focus on more than one thing and do mm-hmm. it great. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we
1: have to have the foresight of knowing that we've got to build a software to be flexible enough so that. As we break off new verticals, we'll do them great too. Yeah. We can't like paint ourselves in the in the CrossFit corner. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But in terms of, yeah, the spread, you mean on push press or just in general in the world? Uh, push press specifically. <coughs> I would say CrossFit's probably 60%. 60%. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That. And then if you put strength tra- strength and conditioning on top of it, it's probably like 70, Se- 70 something percent. 77%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dang. And what's, what would backfill the other 40 to 30%? everything like we do have a decent amount of martial arts flavored okay. gyms um then there's just like oh there's like you wouldn't believe like all the different things there's like basketball training facilities sports specific training facilities we have gun shooting ranges that do oh, wow guns and fitness it's that. crazy we have mermaid swim schools on us we have the fencing clubs we just signed up a hawaii automobile club today hmm. I like i i just you know th- i think again, going back to that other big problem I was talking about, like all these niches, there's no investor who can invest into any of them. And the building that software is very hard. So it's just like, people are looking for software solutions that can kind of service whatever club or organization that they're running or right. gym or facility. Um, because no one's gonna build a gun range software very deep. Yeah. you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because that's like too
0: narrow, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, interesting. and. What would you say is the number one problem that push press is trying to solve today?
1: The number one problem we're trying to solve is, okay. So the, the walking it back, we believe what you are doing is everything. And I believe that because I owned a gym and mm-hmm. I connect with it. The, like the entire world, every single person in the world over 12, maybe even, maybe, even, you know, let's just say over 12, I think needs to be in a gym hundred percent full stop period. Right. But it's tough because you're really, you're operating blind. Like, you know, even, even at the best intentions we have, like we're not giving you the data you need to operate efficiently yet. And you're, you know, a lot of gym owners are operating without education. I know you invest a ton of time in your education, so that's different, but like you have to go out of your way to be educated. And most people open the gyms because they want to, express fitness to their community. They're not opening a gym because they thought of all of the stuff they're going to have to learn to be a good operator. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, they're doing good in their communities. Like the community needs them. But the problem is like all those inefficiencies add up to gym owners are struggling. Right. And only a very few small percentage of them are excelling. Right. Who have gotten past this hump of being in a, in like, Hey, this is actually a, a viable business. That's doing great. And my members are getting a ton of value and like, this is good. Mm-hmm. The world needs to be in a place where gym owners can focus on their customers. Cause that's all like, I don't think you wake up in the morning and go like, dude, I can't wait to do accounting
0: yeah. or like, you <laughs> <Definitely> know, not.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's like all of the stuff that gets in your way of serving your customers, we need to handle for you. We need to help you with or find a vendor to do it for you. Right? Like, um, even finding a vendor, like if I'm like, Hey, go find a um, accountant today. And if you didn't have one, it's like, okay, now I got to look up a bunch of accounts, call Mm -hmm. them, read reviews, do all this stuff. It's like, if I can take that off your plate and say like, here are 18 accountants that I've pre vetted that have reviews and ratings that have like track record and history and data attached to them. And we take, we build the trust and take away the risk. And it's just like, here you go. Yeah. Um, that greases the tracks for you just to spend less time doing the stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's what I see our responsibility in this equation is, is like, I need you to spend as close to a hundred percent of your time making sure Mary and, and John are getting a hundred percent of the value you can give them, you know, and even with your best intentions, you're probably giving them, you know, something less than a hundred because it's like, you've also got to, f- you're worried about this other thing you got to do to operationally. Right. You know what I mean? So that's, that's our, that's our big goal. No, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And I remember specifically, I responded to one of your posts about, you posted on, I think on Instagram, it was about that, uh, some gym owners are still using like Gmail. whatever gym at Gmail. And uh, I asked him, I'm like, how many gym owners still do this? And he's, and then you responded back. It was like 50%. And I was like blown away by 50% that. 50% minimum.
1: That's being, that's minimum. Minimum. Like, really? I bet you if I actually opened up my database and look, it'd be more than 50%. Really? Yeah. Man. And some of them are great gyms. Like uh here, I'll shout out another one. So Babylon CrossFit, New York, in Uh Babylon, New York, Trish, great owner. She just hit me up three days ago and she's like, I'm finally off my Gmail account. And I'm like, dude, you are a big legit gym. (laughs) Like you're good, you know? And she's like, Yeah, I just never thought about it that way, you know? Like, it's it's just you, you don't one of the I think one of the big bigger things, like, okay, if you're a gym owner listening to this, it's like, this is a really good mindset shift that you can do. This is how I operate, is like you just work backwards. What does your customer think when he sees or she sees X? Anything like mm-hmm. your front door, your email address, your trash cans, your bathroom, yeah. your coach, whatever Exactly. It is, right? First impressions are everything. It's not even, it's like just in general, like what do they think, see, feel, experience uh. in general about first impression for sure, mm-hmm. right? But just in general, like what is their experience? Like if they go into the gym and it's like three minutes late one day, three minutes early one day. What is that experience like? Does it feel reliable? Does it feel premium? You know, and like and when you really start to think about everything from the customer's perspective, your mindset will shift on everything. And the Gmail thing's easy. It's like, hey, if you really wanted to go pay a professional to help you do something, and it was like plumber dan 2342 at gmail.com like that doesn't feel good yeah you know you're like i feel like i'm h- hiring a handyman yeah yeah like does this know? person have a business or is they or is it yeah. just a hobby yeah exactly yeah. interesting yeah okay yeah and it's so cheap it it's a, like seven bucks a month for email exactly you know <laughs> that's
0: but, why i was blown away with that because i'm like it doesn't cost me that much money to have at red wolf crossfit so i, I was really blown away when you messaged back and it was 50 now i'm even more blown away now that you're saying it's even higher <clears throat> That's very interesting. So kind of going off that, uh, kind of off that same thing that now that you have some perspective, you, you've, owned, you've owned gyms, you, you have perspective because you have all this data and from the gym management software. So what would you say is the deadliest mistake that gym owners are making today?
1: Deadliest mistake gym owners are making today. There's a lot, a lot of them. I would, um, I mean, I can, I can flip that and turn it into more of a, a positive. <coughs> I think the number one thing every gym owner should do to immediately increase their business is learn how to sell. Mm, that's a good one. I think a lot of people, myself included, before I learned to sell, you're afraid of being a salesperson. 100%. Have you taken a sales course?
0: I have not, but I've ha- I've been required to learn to sell for the past two years or so,
1: two, three years. For the gym? For the gym, yeah. Okay. Um, learning to sell from a sales professional who, I mean... It, more than likely you're you're uh, i'm going to speak for you are you afraid of like being a sales guy? Not anymore, but I was when I first started. Right. But I think there's some legitimacy to it because if you if I walk into your gym and you're like sales guy, you're I'm immediately going to raise a defense, right? right. Like I don't want to be in a sales transaction. Nobody does. Everyone mm. immediately when you feel the sales coming on, you're like eh, like got to go. I don't want to deal with this, <laughs> right? So, but, and that's why everyone avoids sales. And in fact, at my first gym, LAX CrossFit, we literally had the most kick-ass onboarding. Mm-hmm. Like we, we had a foundations class and we did this, ama- like I'm still proud of it this day, but like the first day was like a baseline. So it was like four rounds of 10 pushups and 20 air squats and a 400 meter run. Everyone can do it. Some people took 23 minutes, some people took, you know, eight, mm-hmm. but it was like super easy. And then we put them through, all like every day they learned, oh, you're going to learn deadlift and then you're going to learn clean and then you're going to snatch. And like you learn all the myriad of stuff in right. a progressing manner. And then the last day, we, they come in and we're like, and, we, and it became a thing. So it was like all the members knew it was coming, so they did it too. But it would be like, on the board, it would be like hell night, right? <laughs> and, then, and then it was like, we put them through this thing like, okay, if you finish, like hopefully you don't have anything to do because this normally takes about an hour and a half and you know, they've, they've gone through this week of experience at CrossFit at this point, so they know like, oh my God, like, it's really hard, I get, you know, like, I get really tired, whatever. So it's like, oh, it's, it's probably gonna take, the, you know, the best person did it in about 40 minutes, but it, it takes the average person about an hour and a half, so just cancel any plans if you have them right now, and like, you just hype it up so they get all super scared, because they're like brand new people. And then at the very end, we're like, oh, we're just kidding, we're just doing the baseline again. Like, and you just retest the baseline. Uh-huh. And every single person, like beat their time by at least like 30%. Most people were like wow. 40, 50, 60%. And it had nothing to do with the ability, mm-hmm. had everything to do with their belief. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I've gone through four days or five days of CrossFit now. I know I can push myself a little harder. You know, like it, it's not like they got stronger in a week. It's just they believe in themselves. Right. But they weren't even in the position to understand that yet. They're like, oh shit, CrossFit works. Yeah. <laughs> like I see the math is on the board. It makes uh-huh. sense, right? Yeah. And then we did, just tying this back to the sales thing. And then what we did, what we called the no sell sell. Which were like, cool, congratulations, everyone. See you later. <laughs> and like looking back on it, everyone was like, huh? Like, what the fuck? I want to join. Should I talk to somebody? <laughs> like, because like, we didn't want to be salespeople, right? And uh, so we probably honestly lost like 50% of our sales because people were like, I guess that's it. I'll just go I'll go then, you know. Yeah, that's join so funny. Gym. So it's like, you're actually doing someone a disservice if you don't sell, Yeah. right? If you look at it from how stupid that was, um, you, you had like... A person is there to buy and they, have to, they, they need information to buy and then there needs to be a transactional flow to buy, right. but you don't have to be a salesperson in the lens of like what you see on TV. Yeah. You know? And so I think the most impactful thing a gym owner can do is learn how to sell ethically, mm-hmm. right? In a way that like is congruent with how humans want to transact and feel good about transacting. And it will probably immediately increase your, increase your close rate like 50% and be impactful to your bottom line day one.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I remember when I first, I remember one of my first times I had to sell in like a consultative process when I changed my, my, uh, intake system. And I remember being so nervous I totally bombed the sale and thinking like, this is crap. It's not going to work. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then, and then over time after I got more reps in, I realized that, Hey, well, first off I realized I got, I, I did get some coaching on sales and my coach was like, you know, you don't, you don't your goal isn't to sign up everyone. He's like, remember who your avatar is. And then, you know, if, and then try and get them not to buy but try and get them to decide. Yep. And then, and so he's like, you know, just have a conversation with them as if you're having a conversation about CrossFit with a close family member or a friend or a friend of a friend and just let them know what you offer and you know, they can take it or leave it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be their call anyways. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things you, you said is like uh, business 101. You got to get the reps in. Yeah. And everyone's just afraid of like, oh, I'm zero for one, I'm zero for two. It's like, dude, you got to do this like a 100 times before it's even going to make sense. Oh, yeah. So it's okay. You know, like, <laughs> and then you're going to stumble and, and close one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're going to learn every single time you're going to learn. But you got to do, you know, probably after your 20th sales consult, you're probably, probably starting to figure out your groove and what you're comfortable with and what works. But the first twenty gonna be rough, man. Oh yeah, that's the
0: way it is. Yeah, it was really rough. One thing I learned also when I was kind of going through those sales was I learned that you know I don't want everyone. So if I got kind of like a vibe that they wouldn't be a good fit, if they already kind of if I already got pushback from them, Mm -hmm. or they didn't want to go through like an on ramp, if they had no crossfit, they're like, oh, I can just go right in. Believe me, I'm good at this stuff. I'm like, have you done crossfit before? No, I haven't worked out ever. I'm like, okay, you might not be a good fit. You Mm -hmm. might have a bad experience, and I don't want them to have a bad experience. So I ended up working out better that they, you know, I'm like when I kind of just pass them on, I'm like, Hey, why don't you try this first? And then if you feel ready, you know, or if this is something that you want to do, you know, come back to us. And then they also found that helpful as well, that I, that I wasn't trying to be like a hard sales kind of a guy either. So
1: what, um, if you can remember back to those moments, what, what happened when you told somebody you might not be a good fit here? This is, were, this is like sales hack, yeah. Big sales hack right here. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping you walk down the road. Yeah. What happens? When, so, so, they actually try to they actually exactly. try to sell me exactly on on
0: joining the gym exactly. And I was like, I, I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, you've been. I'm like, sometimes I even tell people, I'm like, I don't think you, you really need our help. It seems like you're doing really well on your own,
1: like doing X, Y, and Z. Yep. And then it's funny. Then they'll try and convince me. They're like, no, I really need to be here. Yeah. So this, this is like, this is why I say like learning from a sales professional, human psychology, because when we're told no, we want to be told yes. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you shouldn't be disqualifying people to get them to say yes. Like we are not trying yeah. to play psychology tricks, but it's, but you, it'll always be the case. Like, so for instance, I don't have a problem firing clients. I fire push press clients enough mm-hmm. like the ones who are disrespectful to my team right. don't know how to communicate well and without fail and these are people i literally want gone mm-hmm. once i start doing going down the road of like uh, i'll help you migrate we're not a good fit for you i think you'd be happier somewhere else here's some good systems oh no like what am I doing? What what happened? Like I'll fix yeah. this. and I'm like I really I I don't even know if I want you to fix. Like I don't think you have it in you, but you know because it's it's really like mean spirited, bad natured people. I just I don't want around. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, anyways, like Jim owner listening to this right now, sales hack number one. I call it staying on the no, which is like I'm not trying to sell you. In fact, I'm trying to find reasons why maybe this isn't a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's still ethical. It's still above board. But like. Instead of you coming in and be like, let me show you why Red Wolf Crossway is the perfect gym for you, and be like, I'm not really sure if it is. Let's ask some questions and figure it out. Yeah. I might not be the best gym for you. Exactly. You know? And that's okay. Right. And the minute you do that, then they're going to be a little bit inclined to be like, no, I actually want this. Like, oh, he's not selling me. There's some standards here. Like, I'm, I'm now I'm intrigued. I want to be part of this. Right. Yeah. So, like, the easiest, like, I think this is the, to me the easiest sales hack you can do that probably will feel natural is just don't sell. Like, I'm not here to sell you. I'm just here to help you make a decision. Exactly. You're like let's let's figure. I don't even know if this is good for you or, or good for me. Like let's figure this out. Yeah. Hundred you know? percent. And what I
0: also found out by doing that consultative process first is that it helps manage expectations. Yep. Because if they have, if someone comes in with an expectation like Matt, you know, I want to lose fifty pounds in two days. I'm like, okay, well let's let's actually map this out. Like you, you like you know, let's You're be like, realistic a, about
1: this. There's a surgeon. <laughs> exactly. Across the way. So exactly. I can do it. So I
0: can, it helps me manage expectations and then allows me to be like, okay, now I can walk them through everything, the whole process and be like, okay, you know, based on what I told you and based on, you know, your commitment level, you know, can you commit to doing this three to five times a week? Because it's not going to work if, if you're not, you know, a seven yep. or higher out of 10.
1: And the, the beauty to that is like you're pre-onboarding. So onboarding is like the next step of exactly. like business success, right? you got to get somebody like in and into the system. Well, you're pre-onboarding with expectation and then you have a check-in match metri- ability. Like, mm-hmm yo, dude, I told you like, I need you here four times a week. Exactly. I'm looking through your history. You've been here two times a week. Like, can we reset you? Or, and then, you know, kind of staying on the know, like we reset you. Are you going to be in on this or, or should you like save your money and just go to anytime fitness? Exactly. You know, then I guarantee you again, may you do that. They're like, Nope, I'm in, I'm not going to anytime fitness. I want to stay here. Right. Like just by doing that, they're going to, they're going to recommit. Yeah. And you know?
0: I, I always ask them too. I'm like, Hey, like how many times do you plan on coming in per week? And If they say once or twice, I'm like, I'm just honest with them. I'm like, you know, you're probably not going to see that much progress and I don't want to waste your time or your money. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're you're not kind of like one foot in one foot out, like it's not going to work. Exactly. So yeah, very interesting. Like like, any other final (coughs) thoughts you want to wrap up on sales or any Uh, other advice you could give? give
1: The other big one I talk about is a top down, identify top down shoppers. Okay. Um, so it's basically there's two types of shoppers in the world. There's a top down and bottom up shoppers. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, do you identify as either one? If, just I, by hearing I that. definitely identify as a top down. <laughs> okay, good. Cause um, I don't like, I don't, um, I don't want to say I don't like bottom up shoppers. I just don't identify as one either. I'm top yeah. down. So I, for, I, like, I top downs, looking. top downs, yeah. basically like, Hey, I'm gonna go on vacation. Like, can I get a first class ticket? Mm, mm-hmm. No. Okay. I'll get premium. I'll get a econ- like premium economy. Can I get the suite, the corner suite with the jacuzzi? Uh, no. Okay. I'll get the one bedroom suite. Like you're looking for the best you can get. And then you're pricing yourself down to what you feel you can afford. Mm-hmm. Bottom up shoppers are like, Oh, I found some coupons. Like wh- where can I spend this money on some C- group on, you know, like you're looking for the cheapest thing. You don't care what it is. You, you know, it's like, that's the person who goes on Google flights and is like, I'll fly anywhere as long as it's under $49. yeah, And I'll build everything around that. Those types of shoppers in general tend to be the most complacent because they're not shopping on value, they're shopping on price, Exactly, right? So you wanna to try to like, in your sales consultation, <clears throat> and this is why I think high ticket works because high ticket attracts top down. Like, I, I believe in myself, I believe in my time, I wanna get great results. I'm okay spending $1,000 a month because this is what I want, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, like you want to try and identify during the sales consult or or your set price structuring or something, to optimize for top down shoppers coming in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I've learned this lesson many times is that it's always better to buy nice because otherwise I'll end up buying twice.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's
0: a good one. Yeah, okay, because so many times I've 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 learned throughout the years of like I've I've either bought cheap equipment or I've bought um, like cheap software or, you
1: know, bad microphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then do you have a collection of re- microphones? So I'm always like, yeah. Uh, that, so I bottom them up shop microphones. I don't know why that's a good example. <laughs> right. And I, at home I have like four or five microphones where I'm like, Oh, this one's like 79. Can it do it? Oh, this one's, you know, 89. This one's 100. And now I have one of these, like I just finally gotten the sure because it's the one, you know, what I, mean? I know
0: like, that's so funny. You mentioned that. Cause uh, I started this podcast with like two cheap lapel mics on Amazon for like 25 bucks. And then one day I was like, this sounds like shit. <laughs> like I need to get some real mics. <laughs> do, do you know,
1: what's actually funny is one, one of the best mics. This is one of the topic is like, there's a $29. It's like the industry standard wired. It looks like your a karaoke mic. Oh, one of the mini ones. No, it's a big one. Oh, it's, it's a big one. It's okay. like a big one, but it's just like that old school with that big, like, like shiny dome, that little disco ball in the end of it. Oh, type yeah. thing. yeah. It's almost as good as these. And it's like 29 bucks, but it was like, crazy. yeah. Um, They just look like you're from the (laughs) seventies. These look cool. Yeah. These look so professional. (laughs) All right. Uh, kind of
0: piggybacking off of what we're talking about sales is that, uh, kind of more of a general business question for you is what part of business ownership do you think people underestimate the most
1: humans, human beings? Yeah. Like if you, and and so, Mm -hmm. okay. In gym ownerships, I mean, you or not gym? Yeah, I guess in the gym ownership world, you've probably heard this question a bunch. It's like, oh, should I take a partner? And this, like, half the people are like, yeah, I'll take a partner. Half the people are like, absolutely not, <laughs> right? Um, human beings are like literally the messiest thing, like the messiest organism in the world to, to have to work with as a human being, right? And the more people you end up getting. And you, know, you can see this even in the membership basis like people don't like each other. Oh, so and so doesn't wear deodorant. Oh, like mm. so and so is flirting with me. Like oh, yeah. all this messy 100%. stuff happens once you get humans together. So it's like when you build a business, the one thing you don't think about, okay, so I guess I can piggyback on that. Humans are messy. Typically, when you hire and when you're new to hiring, you hire with um, personal bias, which is like, I'm a nice guy. I like to work out. like however I see myself, I'm going to start hiring people that look like me, mm-hmm. because otherwise, I, I, don't, I don't that person like is abrasive. I don't want to work with them. Like I like things like this way, and they do it that way, right? The problem with that is you end up hiring a whole bunch of people who are just like you, and they also have all the same flaws you have. Oh, yeah, right? So it be, that becomes a problem too with, with hiring. but yeah, hiring people, managing people, all of that, like it's', it's much more difficult than you think.
0: Dang yeah, dang yeah. I wasn't expecting that answer. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So what specifically, especially? So you say people are messy, uh, and when it comes to gym or not just gym owners, but just business in general, underestimate. Are you t- Are you
1: speaking more from like a customer standpoint or from like
0: a team well, standpoint?
1: Specifically, it, it's that question, I was speaking more to the team. Okay. But then it's like it's pretty easy for you to see. Like if you look across any right. gym community, there's always the things that pop up like so-and-so got too drunk at the Christmas party or, you know, like just these messy things happen that you can't control and you can't, uh, you know, you can't even forecast. So, and you, you talk about like running a business, you want things to be clockwork, mechanical, process driven. Right. Like you put a dollar in, you get $2 out. Like the more people you add, the more that just goes away. Yeah, You know, it's, 100%. it's hard to manage that.
0: And how have you specifically managed that with the push press team?
1: Well, I'd say in the beginning, we 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 just made all the mistakes, mm. right? Personal bias, like the way we hired, we didn't have great interviewing process. We didn't build, like a lot of things, we made a lot of mistakes, right? Right. So I think ultimately, you know, you either, you either learn by making mistakes or you learn, you pay someone to learn, you know? And I didn't, we just didn't think of things in that way. And we made a lot of mistakes, I think. Um, now we have a, and we are constantly thinking about and refining like our hiring process. Mm. Why do we hire? Who do we hire? You know, what are the criteria for hiring? Before it'd be like, I'm trying to find the best person to do job A. And mm. what I realized is like, no, I need someone to buy into the mission. I need someone who has good character. I need someone who's trustworthy. I need someone you know, who, fit, who aligns with cultural tenant A, B, and C. Mm. You know, like it's more like you're hiring on human potential and the ability to do the job, not like the greatest person to do the job. Okay. You know, is that you know what I'm saying?
0: So would you say that you hire more based on like character traits first and then technical Te- skills or is or, yeah. or,
1: or or is technical skills like pretty much hand in hand? Technical skills for whatever job you have would be the prerequisite to even talk to somebody. Right. So if you're like, hey, I'm Matt and I wanna to apply to be the SEO expert, but I don't know what SEO stands <laughs> yeah. for, right? Like I can't do it. But so that would be the prerequisite. And then from there it's just like Culturally, oh, well, so then there probably be mission, right? Does, right. does this person grab it? Because uh, I believe in hiring missionaries over mercenaries. So it's like if you can't, if you don't believe that the world needs fitness and that the small business fitness operators are doing magic on on Earth, like then you probably shouldn't work here. You should go right. do something you align with, right? And then it's going to be co- like cultural tenants and core values, like you know, because. If somebody comes in the job, like I, I did a TikTok or a reel on this, it's like the absolute worst employee in a company is someone who's really, really fucking good at what they do, mm. all star. That is culturally toxic, right? Because right. It, they become hard to fire, uh-huh. because they do so good, but nobody around them wants to work with them. Interesting, right? So it it creates really bad problems in the company on a human perspective. So you gotta, you gotta go for that. Like we're hiring on our, these are our cultural tenants, you know, like you, you know, these are the things we expect and we have, we can't be negotiable on it no matter how damn good you are at this thing because it's better to get someone who's like 80% as good and a hundred percent culturally aligned right. because then they won't, they will be positively affecting the people they work with. Interesting. You know, Have you ever had a deal with an
0: employee that was like that <laughs> who was like technically extremely gifted and contributive but was toxic
1: to the team? Yeah. Yeah, really, I mean, it happens, man. You learn real quick though when you start to realize, real quick, like, yeah. oh yeah, damn, like, because cause you'll make excuses for that person for a while. Oh yeah, 100%. you know, like, dude, they keep hitting their numbers. What am I supposed to do? You know, like they're yeah. doing their thing, they're beating everyone. You know, like whatever. And then you start to realize, like, you when you when that person goes away for like a two weeks vacation or something, everyone else starts getting better all of a sudden. You're like, whoa, what's happened? Like, oh man. So these people's numbers weren't really bad, but like when this person left, they did better. Like that doesn't make, and then you're like, Oh shit. They're yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: I gotta do something about this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Very cool. Um, let's kind of change gears here. I remember a while back, um, you and I were kind of messaging, I think over Instagram or Facebook and I, I remember I mentioned something. I sent you a message um, where I think we were talking about like media stuff. And I remember saying something along the lines like, you know, I'm not big enough to, you know, make that big of an impact. And then you immediately called me out. You messaged me back something along the lines of like, you know, stop telling yourself stories like that that aren't true. Um, and that was a great wake up call for me because that one little message, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Dan's actually right. Like, I really need to get out of these self defeating stories that I tell myself that really have no proof. Um, and I think we all kind of struggle with this from time to time. And was
1: there ever a time that you kind of dealt with that yourself? Every day? Yeah. Every day, man. Like (laughs) I'm, uh, like I'm not that far removed from like where, like I owned a gym not that long ago, you know what I mean? Like for sure. And so probably like when we raised our series a from a real venture capital firm and now I'm like, I'm sitting with people who know Jeff Bezos and I'm sitting with people, you know what I mean? Who, who went public on the stock market. And like we're, you know, like I'm sitting with these people because, because like they bring all the CEOs together, and right. Like, or I'm sitting with people who are like managing Harvard's um, endowment of 18 billion dollars. You know, it's like I'm just sitting with people, and I'm like, oh, like <laughs> I don't belong here, you know. But um, the the biggest thing I've I just learned is like, yeah, I mean, you might not belong there or whatever, but if you believe you can get there. It's just stepping stones, right? Like, I think a lot of us, like the whole imposter syndrome thing is like, you think of the game as like, we'll use a football analogy. Like it's, you know, first and 10 from the 25. And it's like, you've got to throw a touchdown. Like that's how you think of the game. Like right. it's, it's like long bomb or nothing. Like yeah. I've got to get there. And the reality is like, you just need three yards of play. You just need three yards of play consistently and you'll get there, right? And same thing for any career trajectory doesn't matter if you're trying to run a business or if you're trying to become like a director at your company or whatever. It's just like, you've got to set your goals so crazily high. Have you ever, uh, parachuted? I have not. Okay. I was going to ask you, but you're not on camera. <laughs> uh, okay. So when you parachute, this is the crazy thing. Like I don't like heights. hmm. If I stand like, uh, have you ever gone cliff di- cliff jumping? I have not. Okay, man, I can't. Man, I, I I just work out, man. Have you have <laughs> you ever like stood on the top of a fence or just something where it's like you know yes. it's not that high? Yeah. Okay, so cliff jumping is a good analogy because like you're like 15 feet up, but you know, and then the where your eyes are is like another six feet up, so it looks like 21 feet, but the 20 you never you don't never look at 21 feet, so you're like that is high, mm-hmm. but then when you're watching someone do it, you're like that's not even that high. Like, what are they scared about? You know, what yeah. I mean? it's like depending on what the perspective is. Yeah. When you parachute you're so fucking high. It's like the, there's just colored squares on the ground. Like nothing makes sense. Cause you're so high. Uh-huh. Right? So when you're, your legs are dangling out the plane and like you're looking at the earth and it's just like patches of, cause it's always in like some countryside. It's not like, you know, over city. So it's like yeah. patches of green and patches of blue for, you know, just patches of colors and nothing makes sense. So you're just like, okay. And you jump out and you're falling for so long. Like nothing makes sense. It's not like you're hitting anything. You're just like floating. It feels mm-hmm. like you're floating. Anyways, I think, Poster syndrome is kind of like that. Like you got to aim so high, it doesn't even make sense. Like for me right now, it's like I'm gonna take push press public. I'm gonna bring the bell one day on the on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make sense. Like I don't even know. Like <laughs> none of that. I can't even. I can't even daydream and be like, okay, I'm on the plane. I'm gonna go to New York Stock Exchange. Like none, that. Not even makes sense. That's just where my goal is. Mm-hmm. So that way, it's like I can't get get afraid of it. Right. If my goal was only like, hey, I need to get to pick a number of 5,000 clients or whatever, it's like, that's so close. It makes sense. And it becomes a little bit more like, oh shit, can I do that? Yeah. It gets a little scary. <clears throat> so, and then, and then the obvious color, color, whatever the, the obvious thing to this is like, if you pick a small goal and you miss, you don't really go that far. Yeah. But if I'm like, Hey, my goal is to go public and I miss, I might have built a billion dollar company still. Yeah you know, exactly, or $800 million company or something, or I might've, I might've been able to change the lives of, you know, 5 million human beings on the, on the planet, you know, going into the gyms that we service, like there's a big thing that can happen by missing still. Right. Yeah. So I, to me, that's what I've done. I've just changed my, my perspective on what big is. And I just realized like, it's just a game of inches, you know?
0: just 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 one step forward at a time
1: yeah just those the boring the boring work over and over again until until you get yeah i mean i mean we know we all know the reality of this is like 90 something percent of the work is the stuff no one sees Mm -hmm. that no one can relate to it's just the boring stuff you do the boring stuff over and over and over again better and better and better it doesn't have to be perfect to begin with but a little better every day that's it and the willingness not to give up Yeah, absolutely. And let's say someone was, you know,
0: telling themselves stories or, uh, I I really do believe the stories we tell ourselves really impact our success Mm -hmm. as, as an entrepreneur, how would you coach someone through
1: something like that? Yeah. I mean, I I mean, the first thing I guess is to stop having people beat themselves up Yeah, because that's going in the wrong direction. You think that's a pretty common thing that you see? Yeah. 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 We are all, we, we all know ourselves so well that we can call bullshit on ourselves internally all day long. That's very true. You know? Um, and, and the reality is like other people don't, and you know, it's just so funny. Like I was, I just came back from meeting with my investors and I'm like, we've grown a lot, a ton since they've invested in us in two years. Like not only just like the company, but more like me as a CEO, as a leader, you know, like the, the development of the, the leadership team, like the way we go about business way more mature now than then. Right. So I was like, yo, why did you invest in us? Like we were so bad, you know, like when you invested in us, like, and he's just like, yeah, but we know what you could do. Like we see this over and over again, but you know, from my perspective, I'm like, dude, we are so bad. No company could be as bad as us. And he's like, no, we like, this is the thing. Like Mm. every company is in the same spot. Stop beating yourself up. So any person out there is like, you're, everyone's in the same spot. The only thing that differentiates people, you know, is like how big you think, and how willing you are to get up every day and keep moving in that direction. Yeah,
0: I like that. Yeah. The, the, the will to keep, to keep moving forward, regardless it, of how you feel.
1: Because 80% of the time, it's gonna feel like you didn't make progress. You know, like, you, again, it's like the whole, like, I need to score a touchdown on every first down. Yeah. You know, like, it, the three yards don't feel good, but you do that for like a year or two, and then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh, we've made some progress here. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that compounding interest. Yeah. Yes,
0: absolutely, yeah. that's awesome that's a great way to put it. Uh, are there anything else? Is there anything else you want to say before we start wrapping things up? Mm. Anything else that, that we, we left untouched.
1: Let's see. I don't know, man. I, I personally admire you for the shit that you do. Like you're, you're definitely, I feel like you think big, you think, and maybe you, you beat yourself up over it, but I don't see many people consistently like this is a pro setup. You didn't have to do all this. You know what I mean? Uh, and you're you're putting yourself out there and putting work in, so like you're you are like an avatar for the type of person that I need to unlock. We need to make Red Wolf bigger and bigger.
0: Sounds so. like a plan. Let's do it. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Dan. I really appreciate it. I know that you have a really busy schedule, and uh, it really means a lot to me that you that you took time out of your day to to chat with us today. Um, yeah, really pl- pre- appreciate your generosity. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please give Dan a follow at Daniel San. I will put his link to all his social media in the show notes. So give him a follow. And if this was helpful, please leave us a five-star review so we know to make more content just like this. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Matt. And you can also check out my gym at CrossFit and DM your questions or content suggestions there. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, good luck, have fun. Nailed it.